Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Another exclusive interview dropping here on the show today with hopefully soon-to-be WWE Hall of Famer Lex Luger, the star of one of the most recent WWE biography specials on uh, A&E, dropped last Sunday. We speak to him about the documentary, the scrapped WWE icon special, the current state of the business, watching Ric Flair's last match, his thoughts on it, so on and so forth. Uh, it's available right now in audio form already over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, and an article form over on dailyddt.com. Uh, coming up this weekend is my exclusive chat with Shawn Michaels, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, talking all about his biography special dropping on Sunday, not just about him, but the entirety of D-Generation X. And that's a great chat. So that audio, if you want to catch it first before you find it anywhere else, um, that's going to be up on my YouTube channel sometime this weekend on, again, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, and I'll probably throw it here on the show next Thursday. Uh, so Shawn Michaels joining WrestleRant Radio for the first time here next Thursday. But we also have plenty of conversation for myself and Mr. Marceau talking the current state of affairs in WWE coming off the returns of Karrion Cross on SmackDown and Dexter Loomis on Raw, respectively, and so much more. But before any of that, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're on Google Podcast. We're on Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. But before we get to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, enjoy my exclusive interview with the star of the latest A&E biography documentary, Lex Luger. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham Gius and Matthews here with BleachReport.com and Fansided Daily DDT. This coming Sunday on A&E, we're getting the next episode of Biography WWE Legends on A&E, as I said. The star of this upcoming episode, Lex Luger, former Royal Rumble winner, a lot of accolades in the business. Lex, what's going on, sir? How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I mean, I know you were actually in Nashville over the weekend for StarCast, right? How was that? I was. It was, man, it was fabulous. We had a great time. Awesome. Uh, nostalgia. Fans had a great time. We had a great time. The boys, it was great. Fantastic. And you got to go to the Ric Flair's last match too, right? I wasn't at the match. I, I had to travel back that evening. I was there for the entire weekend up to the match. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have been there for the match. My yeah. gosh. That's what it was. I remember watching it. I saw your shout out that you sent in. That's what it was. But did you get a chance to watch uh-huh. the match at any point after the fact? I've watched parts of it. And I think he did well. <laughs> for a 73-year-old guy, I think he did as well as he probably could have. And I think Absolutely. It was, yeah, I mean, for a Jim Proud Clark- of Rick. I, I was so excited for him. Rick loves, man, he feels, I mean, he feels most at home in the ring. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, that I, I was thrilled for him. I really was. Yeah, no, they made the show all about him, the Jim Crockett promotion stuff. Just watching like parts of the match, as you mentioned, kind of bring you back to the days of like when you were on top, Ric Flair was on top, stuff like that. Because I thought they nailed the nostalgia aspect of that show so perfectly. Well, yeah, that was my beginnings, Crockett Promotions. They, they even for our photo shoot, they had the the original set like replicated. So with we posed for photos with the fans. That was the only time that the Crockett horsemen, myself and the other guys, and Barry Windham had ever been at a photo shoot together. Wow. Appearance. That's crazy. Time, so that was really cool. How was the experience kind of catching up with them? Oh, it was great. We shared a lot of those stories. We had a, a uh, in front of the fans, we had a Q&A, and mm-hmm. we all had a good time. A lot of laughs, a lot of fun. A lot of great memories. Oh, that's awesome. No, it was great to see you over the weekend in Nashville for StarCast. And obviously, like I said, we're seeing you this Sunday on A&E for this documentary. Um, just between, like, the flare match, you said you caught, you know, parts of the match, uh, you know, the match itself and whatnot. Do you keep up with the product today at all, or do you just kind of stay away from the wrestling scene? Of today? No, I do. I love it. I've, I've become a wrestling fan. Nice. I'm just a wrestler. I've broadened <laughs> my horizons. Yeah. Is this I more love of, it. Is this more of a recent thing in becoming a fan? I mean, obviously, you've always been a fan to a certain extent, but is it just recently you kind of got back into it, or has this been going on for a while? It's evolved. It really has. Yeah. It's evolved over a number of years, and I started watching it a little bit more and checking it out a little bit more. I just, it blows my mind what they can do now in the ring. The men and the women is just incredible athleticism and the things that we didn't even think of doing. Other maybe a few guys mm-hmm. that were kind of groundbreakers with the moves they do now, but just phenomenal athletes. It's, it's incredible. I, I love it. Do any of those athletes in particular stand out to you as someone that you peg as a favorite or someone that you could see going far in the business going forward? Oh, man, there's so many great guys out there. I, I like some of the older school guys, Randy Orton, mm-hmm. uh, Edge, some of those guys. AJ Styles are kind of the older style with blended with the new mm-hmm. it's really cool and there's so many great uh young stars that they're developing so it'll be interesting to see who rises to the top yeah no, i'm most... always rise to the top the old saying yeah no exactly exactly and uh, i like the mix of the old and new as well i think someone like aj styles as you mentioned does that exceptionally well but like i said we're gonna mm-hmm. get your doc on, on sunday talk a little bit about this documentary and what we can expect from it and, and you know i haven't talking. seen it in entirety i've seen i've seen bits and pieces of it Graham, but i haven't seen it entirely so i like surprises so i'll, <laughs> I'll be watching it in its entirety for the first time as well like everybody else how was the experience filming for it oh we had they're so good at that mm-hmm. i mean wb is just phenomenal at putting that content together and so yeah we we we, it, it was a lot of fun, really was. And I know, so last year we had the Icon series, and they did a couple, and for whatever reason, yours got shelved, and we didn't get to see it. We're seeing it kind of now, I guess, in the form of this documentary. So we're still seeing a lot of the scenes that we were going to get in that one for this one. Did you have to film much more for this one than you would have for, for the Icons one that was out last year? No, they pretty much had a wrap on it. They came back. We did a few things, mm-hmm. um, added in update it but they were it's pretty much going to be what you would have seen on the icons which i think is great yeah no it's great it saves you a lot of stuff right it saves you a lot of time just copy and paste it i guess put it into <laughs> another documentary right oh i wouldn't mind doing it over again yeah but i i, I know i felt for the fans a lot more man what happened to your icons there was some funny stuff on social media like a guy sitting on a couch waiting for it and like he was a skeleton <laughs> and that was it was like oh my gosh 
some of them were kind of almost ticked off. I'm like, man, I hope they bring out pretty much what they were gonna for the fans. So yeah. I'm through. I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see it. No, I'm glad. I'm glad we're finally getting it because I was one of those people that was bummed that because it, it was like the day or two before we found out. No, it's not happening. And you know, obviously they had the footage and the whole thing was made. It was going to air I think the weekend of Fourth of July, which obviously timed perfectly with uh, the anniversary oh, of the. Oh, my match. nephew called me up. My nephew called me up and was like, "Man, I just I just joined WG Network and Peacock <laughs> and then you know, he, man, he was what happened? I go, I don't know. I'll find out. Yeah. Now, like, now we know, right? Yeah. I've got switched up Exactly. They got, they got us ten dollars for the month, so that's that counts for something. <laughs> <laughs> counts for something. That's fantastic. Oh my God. And, and in filming for it too, just talking about your career and your life. How was the experience? You know, we talked a little bit about it a minute ago, but just talking about your career and your life. Like, what what are you feeling coming out of it? Is it like a sense of closure? Is it like a nice trip down memory lane, experiencing the highs, the lows? How are you feeling coming out of it and talking about it all? Well, it's never closure because us wrestlers, and until we draw our last breath, we we still live it and, mm-hmm. and mingle with the fans. I'm at the ambassador, wonderful program, the ambassador program W. So to be continued. So it's not a, a closure thing, but a lot of great memories and and like I, I just I just tweeted out on Twitter a little thing about that because I saw W uh, put some stuff out there on Twitter. It's the only platform that I'm on, mm-hmm. and that it was the. Uh, I just, I just said, buckle up, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that old Clint Eastwood movie. Ah, there the you best go. of all time. So I, so it uh, should be very, very interesting. Nice, nice. Well, you mentioned Twitter right there. That's, you said that's the only platform you're on. How like interesting is it being on social media, being able to interact with the audience, being able to interact with your fans for such a long time from over the years? In, in an instant, you just put out one tweet and people can respond back. I mean, you would have never had that like 15 years ago, you know? Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I, I absolutely, it's fantastic. And um, I just try to put, I know social media can be controversial, but only if we buy into that controversy, I just try to put positive things out there, mm-hmm. uh, fun stuff. And we tweet a lot of fun little cat and dog videos. And <laughs> I have I have a lot of fun, a little bit of wrestling mixed in and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I really enjoy it. Nice, nice. I guess that's just the modern age, right? You take the good of the po- the, the good with the bad. But you mentioned you just highlighting the positive, and we're going to be seeing a bit of that. Like you said, the good, the bad, and the ugly mm-hmm. in this documentary. Was there any one part of it yeah. that, that you kind of liked reliving more than anything else, whether it be the Yokozuna stuff or anything else from your career? Oh well, I think a few of the highlights from my days with the Horsemen, mm-hmm. which, we, which we went back to uh, this past weekend. That was like my start. So I've got a lot of very special memories with that. Yeah, slamming Yokozuna and trapping in the Lex Express was huge part of my career. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Monday Night Wars would be a part of that. And uh, when I won the world title uh, live on Nitro uh, against Hulk Hogan, had yep. him a torture rack. The crowd went berserk. <laughs> so, man, just... Those are a few things when you ask me that right now, kind of pop into my mind. Oh, fantastic. And, and you, yeah. you talk about those moments as well and just kind of, like I said, that, that trip down memory lane and just talking about mm-hmm. that. Did, did you have a say at all in any of the people they were bringing on as the talking heads being able to talk about your career? Or was that all up to WWE? Oh, no, they do all that. I, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I was going to say, so you don't I, know what, you don't know what anyone's going to say. definitely at times was a controversial figure, so that should be interesting. <laughs> I was gonna say, so we don't know what they're gonna. We don't even. Do you know at any point who was brought on? Fans, both fans and, and guys in the locker room. I had some that weren't so fond of me, so that should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anyone that was featured? No, uh. Uh-uh. Wow. I know Stinger was on. He called me about it because uh, 
he, he was asking me some questions about it. Do you want me to be on this thing? And I go, yeah, of course I do. If you can do it. <laughs> but yeah, I, so I know he's on there, but uh, I haven't seen any of the footage of really of, of, of many of the comments other than the, what WG just put out there this week. So yeah. I, I, like I said, I like surprise, so it should be fun. That's cool. No, I'm glad they got State for it. He was such a pivotal part of your career. And, and it's cool to see, too, because obviously he's not currently part of the WWE family. Like, I think it's awesome that they were able to, I mean, just assuming right now, just based off that comment, they were able to bring in people from the outside for stuff like this. We've seen it in other documentaries they've done on other people for this biography series on A&E. It's super cool to see that, you know, companies, whatever, all that stuff kind of be put aside to allow someone like Sting to be able to talk about your career. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I do, too. I love that the way W's uh, doing that. So, uh, yeah, A-plus gold star on that one. Yeah, no, you mentioned with the uh, with the Wednesday, with the Monday Night War. I say Wednesday Night Wars. That was just recently. We talked about the Monday Night Wars with, with WCW and WWE, and people have kind of related to that in the last couple of years as far as, uh, you know, the new companies rising up, AEW, stuff like that. Does in, in paying attention to any of it, does that take you back to the Monday Night Wars? Is it something incredibly different? Do you see any similarities? What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Um. Ask that again. You said something current versus back then? Yeah, yeah. Just talking about, um, you know, your relationship with the Monday Night Wars and the role that you played in it and relating it to present day between WWE, AEW. And personally, as a fan, I think it's positive to have competition. And just I wanted to get your thoughts on on, on the modern take. Oh, I definitely think it brings out the best in everybody. Yeah. And so I'm all for competition. I know WWE's uh, all for competition. They're, we ain't scared. So I, I I love it. I think it uh, it's great for the fans. It's great for for us as uh, talent and wrestlers, and for the creative teams. And I think I think it's great. Yeah, I completely agree as well. And as we wind down here, going back to your documentary, just talking a little bit about that and just, you know, I talked to Kurt last week and he talked about everything that he overcame and that was that was kind of like the main moral message of his documentary. For you, and, and just filming for it, was there any one main message that you wanted to send to the audience in, in putting this documentary out there? Or is it really just the telling of your career and you were just there to kind of talk about it? Well, I haven't seen it all yet, but so I'm interested in that the overview and what mm-hmm. they stress and don't stress. But I, hey, I'm I'm totally transparent. I do a lot of public speaking now mm-hmm. with young people that that uh, you can learn from our mistakes and don't ever give up and don't ever quit. I made some decisions that that took me kind of off off road, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, I've been able to emerge through that with help of a lot of people and the good Lord. And I just I love to encourage people with my story. It's real. It's gritty. It's there's like I said, good, bad, and ugly parts to it. But that's life and adversity, and so um, I'm, I hope they share that part. I really do. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we got an episode on you, Lex. It's really cool to see, you know, yourself, Goldberg, Kurt, you. Taker. That's quite the collection of talent to be among to be focused on it for this show. I think that's awesome. It is. I feel so special. <laughs> They got you for the second season. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it as well. Coming up on Sunday, as they mentioned, on A&E. It's biography, WWE Legends, on the legendary himself, Lex Luger. Lex, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Graham. Great talking with you. Big thanks to Lex for the time. As I mentioned earlier, the full audio of the interview available right now over on YouTube.com backslash WrestleRant and an article form over on DailyDDT.com. Now we bring in Mr. Marceau to break down all the latest in the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing great. No real elaborate intro this week. I feel like there's not a lot, not a lot going on, not a lot to complain about, which is always a positive. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think just an, a good week. I mean, nothing to complain about. I, I mean, 
That's always a good thing, I think. I think I might have to change the name of the show to Wrestle Rant Radio to Wrestle Ra- uh, Wrestle Rave Radio. Seriously, <laughs> I might have you know, to change the gimmick. Got to find some stuff to complain about. But no, I thought this week, this past week in wrestling was uh, very solid. We will not be discussing AEW today as we were discussing, uh, we were were talking before Dynamite tonight, Quake by the Lake, which we'll probably get to next week on the show as we head towards All Out in early September. Did you catch on an AEW note real quick? Did you catch the Battle of the Belt special on Saturday or any match from that show? I did not. Well, I will say, even if you didn't watch it, a lot of people probably did not because all those specials, have a majority of them have been an afterthought so far. Uh, Claudio and uh, Kanosuke Takeshka. I know you're not. Are you? Are you a fan of his? I haven't really gotten a gauge on uh, how much of a fan of you are Takeshka. I mean, I think he's good. I mean, I think he's getting. I mean, for a guy that's not probably going to go anywhere, I feel like he's going to a decent push. But no, I, I think he's fine. I mean, nothing too great or too too bad about him. I think he's fine. Well, I will say this: I thoroughly enjoyed the match you had with Claudio on Saturday for the Ring of Honor World Championship. So I would definitely make time to check that out. Britt Baker. Not Britt Baker. Uh, Jamie Hader having a great match with Thunder Rosa for the Women's Championship. I know you're a Jamie Hader fan, as I am. Uh, that was really good, and I think it was Wardlow and Jay Lethal as well for the TNT title. So probably the best Battle of the Belt special they've done yet. Um, I still think they're... I, I love the idea of them about a year ago, but we've had so many AEW specials and shows and special editions of Dynamite and whatnot that it really isn't all that special anymore. But I thought Saturday, I thought, I thought Saturday show was good. Um, but it was the night before on SmackDown, though, that got everyone talking. The closing of the show, we'll get into it right now before we review Raw from Monday. Karrion Cross returning to WWE, and it was mere hours before that on Fightful, they were reporting that he was in talks to come back, or that he was someone they were considering bringing back. Sure enough, within hours on SmackDown, Karrion Cross returning to WWE TV. I don't know if we talked too much about this a week or two ago when we discussed Triple H assuming role, you know, the head of creative role in WWE and how many people of his from NXT could be brought back that had been released in recent years. And uh, I think Karrion Cross was on the top of the list for a lot of people. He never got a fair shake on the main roster. We've had a lot of rants, myself included, specifically me here on the show, over how he was booked during his initial run in WWE last year. And he always felt to me like a WWE guy. We've talked about it before. Like, he could have gone to AEW. I know Tony Khan either made an offer or wanted to use him for that... Uh, Wardlow match about a couple of months ago on the show, and I'm glad he turned it down because I think him going in there without Scarlet just to be squashed by Wardlow would have been dumb. Um, he spent some time in MLW New Japan, but I think WWE is ultimately where he will have the most success, and now he's back, and not only is he back, no helmet, he's got hair now, and uh, he attacked Drew McIntyre on night one and had Scarlet by his side and stared down the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. So quite the return for Karrion Cross on SmackDown. Yeah, no, I, I thought this was great. Like you said, it was funny because Fightful literally was like, oh, yeah, like there's talks with Karrion Cross. Like, oh, like, you know, maybe something will happen like in a couple of weeks. I don't know. It just it seemed like more of like a future kind of future, like not a spoil, but like, yeah, they're in the talks with them. And then when Drew came out, I feel like you could kind of see like the lights had gone out. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then obviously hit music with Scarlet. I was like, holy shit. I mean, me and you are probably bigger Cross fans than most people, but, uh, I mean, coming out and attacking Drew, no helmet. I mean, that's basically how you book someone if you're going to push them to the top. I mean, you go up the top, guys. And uh, he looked great with Scarlet's even better. So I, I think it was a great debut. Got a lot of people talking. Well, yeah, here's the thing. I feel like he was a guy, like you said, we are two people who are bigger fans of Cross than a majority, I feel. Which is fine. I just feel like with Karrion Cross, he may not work out as a main eventer in WWE. We just don't know. The way he was brought in originally to the main roster over a year ago, undefeated NXT champion, 
you know, kind of mediocre entrance by that point. They kind of stripped away Scarlet. They took away the cool, elaborate entrance, and they really watered it down. But even still, he was the NXT champion. He was undefeated, whatever. They took all that away within 90 seconds of him losing to Jeff Hardy. And it wasn't about Karrion Cross anymore. It was about Jeff Hardy. And we had discussions about that at the time. And then from there, they only buried him from that point forward, and he was never the same. Um, but the thing is, is that when he got released, and I was very frustrated about that. We did a whole pop-up podcast about it back in November. And I, I even said it, what really bothered me about a lot of the rounds of releases from NXT in the main roster in the last year and a half specifically. Because like a couple of years ago, like when they let all those people at the beginning of COVID, they let a lot of those people go like, you know, EC3 was someone that bothered me as far as why they let him go. But, you know, other people like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, um, No Way Jose. No Way Jose. These were people that had been there for a long time. Um, people that weren't really, I mean, could they have been better utilized? Sure. But the people they've let go in the last year were a lot of people that I thought they never even gave a chance to specific. I mean, even especially people like Bronson Reed, who never even got a crack on the main roster. And it wasn't someone like, oh, this is someone that will never work on the main roster. People like Dexter Loomis and Dakota Kai. We've talked time and time and time again about these people as far as they didn't even give them a shot. And carrying Cross, at least they called him up, but they didn't even give him a chance to get over. So when he got let go, people were hitting me up saying, like, well, he was never really that special anyway. Like, he just wasn't over. I mean, how can you even tell? Like, fucking, he never even had a chance to get over. He got beat on night one, dude. And uh, he just was never really focused on. So I feel like moreover than anything else that gives me hope for people like him and Loomis, which we'll get into momentarily... He has to sink and swim, sink or swim rather, on his own accord. And we'll finally see if he's the star that we're making him out to be or if he's going to fall flat on his face. We don't really know until they give him a shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think with the whole initial debut, I mean, once they gave him the helmet and all that stuff, I mean, I feel like he was doomed. Maybe I was a little bit more hopeful that it would turn out to something else. Obviously, it didn't. But, uh, I mean, I think he's great. I think he's, like you said, I feel like he's a WWE guy. Like, he's got the look. He's got the size. Scarlet with him obviously enhances his his presentation, and they took that away and, like I said, goofed him up right away with Vince and all that shit. And they said lost to Jeff Hardy, and, I mean, the rest was history from there. At least when you're attacking Drew and seemingly going to the top, I mean, you have to be at least felt like a big guy. So I, I think... Like I think he's got a good potential. I, I mean, if you push him right up the card, I mean, you can't really mess that up. So we'll see what happens. But I think this this run now will be uh, immensely better than his initial debut. It has to be. I mean, he wiped not even wiped not not wiped it away. I'm not going to say he completely erased all the bad will they did towards him during his first run with that one return on Friday. But I mean, it was obviously the highlight of his entire WWE career, at least on the main roster. That one comeback on Friday. So. I'll say this, though. We don't know where it's going. He attacked Drew. We already know Drew and Roman is confirmed to be the main event of Clash of the Castle next month for the top title. There have been talks of USA Network wanting a world champion back. Um, No shit. I mean, I could have told you that. I mean, Roman Reigns hasn't been on Raw. He's been on Raw probably three or four times since he won both belts back at WrestleMania, which was over four months ago at this point. So I can imagine they're probably not happy about not having a top title on their show and giving people a real reason to tune in and watch the show, whatever. Um, reportedly, also from Fightful, I think it was from Fightful or PW Insider, forget, they had said that one of the pitches on their end was to create an interim championship. I think that idea is dumb as hell. At that point, just split the championships up. Or the only, the, I mean, you you know, being a UFC fan, MMA fan, whatever, the only real reason, and AEW as well does this, the only real reason to have an interim championship is if your championship is on a person who's currently hurt. Roman Reigns is not hurt. He's just not working the show. 
So from a storyline standpoint, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, I'm all for splitting the championships up, but how do you go about it? Does this include Karrion Cross winning the WWE title from, from Roman Reigns? And again, if so, how does that work exactly? Do we get a WrestleMania 2000 situation where we get a triple threat where it's like, you know, the first fall goes for this championship, the second fall goes for that title? And even if they were to do something like that, which I'm not even a real big fan of anyway, it, it's like, from a storyline standpoint, why would you do that? You know, when they did that back in 2000, the Intercontinental Championship and the European title were two separate titles just held by the same person. When Becky Lynch was a dual champion a few years ago, the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion, it wasn't an undisputed title. She was the Raw Women's Champion and the SmackDown Women's Champion. As it currently stands on WWE's website and everywhere else, I mean, I guess on the website it's two different titles, they still have two different lineages. But again, it's one championship that is being defended on these pay-per-views, not two, it's one. So I'm not really sure how you can explain splitting them up. Um, but again, like I said, I'm optimistic. If this was Vince in charge and we didn't know where it was going, I would assume they have no fucking clue where it's going. But I would hope Triple H is the same guy a few years ago said he did not want anyone called up without a six-month plan in place. And they acted real quickly in bringing Cross back, so I would hope they didn't bring him back just for the fuck of it, and they actually have a plan in place for what they're going to do with him. I would hope anyway. Yeah, I think they do. Like you said, I, I understand the whole interim thing like obviously they want their own champion like you said normally in UFC it's like you have an interim champion because the regular champion's hurt I mean AEW is doing that with Punk I mean they did it with Cody as well when he was like out for like one week which was dumb but that was dumb yeah <laughs> realistically it's meant for when the champion's hurt and can't defend and they're not going to strip them of the belts and then they have an interim champion yada 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 but realistically they should just split the belts up do something because there's really no reason to have two one two titles on one person if they're not going to defend it. So I think they should, like you said, I'm not sure how you do it, but they need to get one of the at least one of the belts off Roman somehow. I mean, they got to do something. I don't know. It, it, I don't want them to like get pinned mm-hmm. per se. I mean, if anything, I feel like it would be Drew more than Carrion, but they do need to get one of the belts off him. I think they've done great stuff with the U.S. title, like making it seem bigger and that's kind of been the main championship on Raw, and I think they've done well with that, but I think that you do really do need that one of the main world titles on someone on the show weekly. Yeah, I mean, it has to happen, and I know the rosters aren't exactly deep at the moment, specifically SmackDown, but I would hope in bringing more people back, that would help with that. As far as who can realistically dethrone Roman Reigns as the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, I love Karrion. I spoke at depth this about this, you know, various other points. I spoke to about it with Alexis the other day, but I feel like it's got to be like a Cody Rhodes-esque babyface. I know, I know a lot of people are down on the idea of it being Drew, but it makes sense if they're in Cardiff and whatever. Um, I, I don't even really prefer Drew being champion over Cross. At least Cross is a fresh face, but if he's going to be the second tier heel on SmackDown, which was reported the other day, I feel like he can't be the one to beat Roman Reigns, at least in my opinion. But I still feel like he should be featured in that conversation, feuding with Drew, maybe, leading into that pay-per-view while Roman's not around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I feel like if we're bringing him in and put him in the match, he would have to win it. I, 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 that's how I would look at it. Like, maybe they, like he's in the peripheral, Drew wins the belt, and that's the first program, but... I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to push him that far up the card, you should probably put the belt on him. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people are suggesting that it become a triple threat. I don't think it should be. I don't think it has to be. Um, they already made Drew and Roman official. Could they add him? 
yeah, but you got to remember, too, I don't think Drew has lost a single singles match all year. I mean, I don't remember the last time he lost. It's been a long time. I would not have him lose to Karrion Cross on a random SmackDown if he's about to be built up to Roman Reigns at the pay-per-view. Um, it's probably just a TV program. I would not have Karrion losing right now either. I think that'd be dumb as well. So I don't really know how they go about this, which is why I'm excited to find out where they go with it. It could be a disaster. They could completely mess this up. I'm hoping they don't. Um, but like I said, Triple H made the comment. He didn't make the comment, but the report was made that on Triple H's end, they're looking to bolster the roster. I think this came from Fightful. Um, they brought back Karrion on Friday. Dexter Loomis made a comeback on Monday's Raw. We were all expecting Johnny Gargano to come back in Cleveland after that U.S. Championship match with Ciampa and Lashley. We got another We got another member of the way instead in Dexter Loomis. So we got Loomis back. We got Dakota Kai back at SummerSlam. Io Shirai was re-signed. Those are four fresh faces right there from NXT who either have never been on the main roster or who are kind of relatively fresh faces in the, in the case of Karrion, who never really got a shot on the main roster. So uh, when you hear a report like that, what are your thoughts on it? And what could it mean as far as bringing people back? Bringing people in is also key, but as far as bringing people back who may have been released, who never got a fair shake, I think of people like Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, who was never called up to the main roster, Candice LeRae, People like that, at least in the last year, who never really got a shot, um, who could be brought back on the main roster. Maybe not be a difference maker. Dexter Loomis will not be world champion, but he could be a good hand to have in the mid-card, and I feel like Karrion is another example of a guy being brought back that can make a real difference anyway on SmackDown. No, I completely agree. I, I think with the people, like you said, that haven't had a fair shake, I think specifically we've seen already that they've been bolstering the women's division, which they've put in new, new blood and seemingly new kind of attention in there, especially with EO and, and Dakota coming back, Bailey being all over Raw and with Bianca, Alexa and Oscar. I mean, that's just the first step. I feel like there's gonna be more more in that. And we saw that with the tag team tournament as well. But like you said, I feel like Bronson Reed was someone that Triple H was a big fan of. Dexter Loomis obviously, Cancer Ray, Johnny Gargano. I mean Tika Knox, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave her mm-hmm. you know world champion, but I think she's a good good person to have in that division or someone that would be a good replacement for like a veteran that's maybe heading out of the the division, like a Tamina or someone. Like if they're going to get get rid of someone, she'd be a perfect person to bring in. So <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I mean, I, I think bolstering the roster with credible names is like not everyone's going to be pushed to the top. But if you have credible people that you can at least do something with in the interim, I I don't think there's any real negative to that. Like I said, those specific people could be good in the mid card where we have seen like the same kind of tiresome people and maybe you bring some other people back to NXT like they did with Apollo Crews to kind of build them back up or kind of use them, utilize that way. I mean, not everyone's on TV, but you got to kind of make sure the depth's always there. And I think that's one thing with WWE that they've failed at the very end of Vince's regime is there's not really a lot of depth. There's maybe a lot of talent itself, but the depth that's a depth in the whole is, lacking very highly like SmackDown specifically we were always like who's gonna take the belt off Roman because he never could like say like oh X, Y, and Z could beat Roman because it just wasn't they they had no main event guys it was like Sheamus and Drew and then everyone else is like mid mid to low mid card and you're never gonna get there so I feel like that's one thing they need to look at is really getting a good depth of people and then from there you can continuously build more and more people up just having a lot of guys 
I guess is nice, but if you have no Incredible, it really doesn't do much for you. Yeah, no, I agree. They really got to work on that. It's going to be more of a long-term fix than a quick one. Um, so as long as they have their eyes on that, that's more of a long-term solution than a quick fix. So we'll see where they go with that. I think we discussed this when I saw you in Nashville or maybe even on the show last week. But here's my thing. NXT as it was previously, I'll never say a bad word about it. I love the black and gold version of NXT as did you. But I feel like, honestly, on paper, we got to say this, like, objectively here. Ciampa's spending seven years in really what was WWE developmental is a complete waste of time. And I love that show for what it was, and they had a lot of great talent on that show. But realistically, a lot of the people that were on that show, Finn Balor should have never spent two or three years in NXT. Sami Zayn being there for three years, ridiculous. Roderick Strong, Roderick Strong wasting seven years of his prime in-ring career in developmental is a complete waste of time. Unless he's just there to help over the younger people, and that's fine. I'm not saying Roddy's going to be the next world champion in WWE, that's fine. But here's my thing. I feel like we can kind of have a best of both worlds going forward. And we were at the tryouts. We saw what they do to recruit the younger talent. We spoke to people about what they're looking for. You know, I do think they, at some point, they should start hiring more indie people. Not all indie people, but a nice mix as they were doing previously, which is fine. But I think going forward, you know, they brought everyone that would come back to the company, whether they were from Impact or Ring of Honor, they went to NXT first. And the whole point of that was to kind of, I don't know, get them used to the WWE camera system, I guess. I don't know. But I feel like if they have TV experience, here's my thing. If they have TV experience like a Carrying Cross or a Dexter Loomis or whatever, I think they should just go right to the main roster. Why waste any time, especially if they're on the older side? I know Loomis and Cross and Kai and Shirai, they were all here previously, so I get that. But like, for example, if they were to ever bring in a Hobbs or a Ricky Starks, I think they should go right to the main roster and not waste any time in developmental. That should be for people that need the experience and exposure like a Braun Breaker. And I mean, Carmelo Hayes could have done well on the main roster immediately, but you know, he was just an indie guy. He wasn't in Ring of Honor or in Impact or whatever or in AEW, so that's fine. But I feel like I, I want to get your thoughts on that as far as how they can kind of, not that they can't bring in established people, I think they should, but I feel like those established people, anyone coming from AEW specifically going forward, should go right to Raw or SmackDown and not not waste any time at NXT 2.0. Yeah, I mean, I think right now, with what they're kind of building with 2.0, I feel like there is like a certain direction that they're going in, so, I mean, putting all these new indie people there wouldn't really make too much sense right now. I, I, I think, realistically, like, I think what people kind of now overlooked was like, oh, yeah, NXT was great when they had all these people. But realistically, like, it didn't really build much because all those people just weren't people that Vince were ever going to push. And that's what we saw. We we're like, oh, how could they mess up Shinsuke? Or like, it was just, I don't I, like, I, I feel like they did miss the boat on maybe some more breakout people that they could have focused on, but they kind of went with, like, the more indie approach because obviously at that point indie wrestling was as popular as it might ever be. And that was basically how AEW even started. So, I mean, right now, if you get someone that's established, I, I would just put them on the main roster. I feel like if that's why you're signing them, there's a reason. With 2.0, it seems like they are taking a, a different approach with people that aren't indie guys or not that, as like you said, like haven't been in like on TV, so they're using, utilizing that to get on TV to kind of, Specifically, Hayes, I think, like, I feel like he's ready, but maybe does need more timing on, like, being on TV, because I think he was, I don't even know where he was before, but someone that wasn't on a national broadcast, so we'll see, but I, I think anyone that's, like, if they signed a Bronson Reed or any of those people we named, they should go right to the main roster. 2.0 would just kind of 
be a waste of them. Yeah, no, and I also agree with what you said earlier that you can also bring people that don't really have a lot going on on the main roster back to NXT. As they, I think that's one of the positives of the show in the last year. They brought in people like Dolph, and I don't give a shit about Natalia, but she had a fine run there and the whole thing with Cora Jade. Um, Apollo Crews being back and people like that, I feel like that's cool and uh, helps the younger talent. We got a great match last night. Didn't really benefit anyone, but Cruz and Strong had a great match on Tuesday night. So uh, speaking of NXT, we'll talk about that real quick before we get into Raw for Monday. Um, but we do have the NXT Heat Wave show coming up next Tuesday on USA Network. Um, these live specials, I mean, they have these occasional live... AEW feel like it, it doesn't... Like, they do them every single week. Um, they kind of have to dial it back a little bit, in my opinion. But at least with the, NXT, the AEW ones have better quality. But NXT, they do them a bit more rarely. Um, not every single one is a home run. Some are better than others. But um, these live specials, they do once a month. In addition to the rare, you know, like the War Games and Stand and Deliver and In Your House and stuff are very worthwhile, so I'm looking forward to this one. You mentioned Carmelo Hayes. Well, first of all, on the, on the point of Carmelo Hayes, do you remember that one show? Uh, you weren't there for me. You didn't go with me to this show. I actually met Zach Donigan there, funnily enough, but we went to a show in Lowell, and we got stranded there. And remember I called you at 12.30 night that if you can come pick me. I mean, you were obviously sleeping at that point, but do you remember that? It was your senior year. I remember. Uh, I, it, it rings a bell, yes. That was the show I actually met Carmelo Hayes at. He was doing a lot of Northeast Indies. He's actually from Mass. Yeah, I knew, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, but he's from that area. But, uh, hey, listen, if you, if you had stayed out with us and got stranded in Lowell with uh, Zach Donigan and I, you would have met him that night. Damn. Yeah, either you were too busy getting cozy in your bed, though. Yeah, exactly. So he's facing Giovanni Vinci on this show, defending the NXT North American Championship. Uh, another heel versus heel match. If he faced Grayson Waller last month, had a great match with him. I think this should be no different. Uh, maybe Giovanni is someone they're building up and he's been protected so far. Maybe he's the one to take the championship from, from Carmelo. If they want to free up Carmelo, either for a main roster call up or for a shot of the NXT championship, which is what I would do. I'm going to say Carmelo here, but I don't know if it would completely shock me if Giovanni took the title from him on this show. Yeah. I mean, I like both guys. I think this is more, they are pushing, uh, Vinci and, I mean, as Eichner or whatever the hell you want to call him, I feel like he's one of those guys, great wrestler. Just, I don't know, he was kind of generic. I think he was great in in Imperium, but obviously they broke him off. Now he's doing this whole Giovanni Vinci thing. I honestly think he's going to take the belt off of Hayes. I think they can free up Hayes, like you said, either for the main roster. I think he's Honestly, at this point, I think he's ready. Or going after Breaker next. So I, I, I think Vinci takes the belt here. I, I think they pushed him a lot and... I, I'm a big fan of his, and I I don't see any negative putting a bell on him and freeing up his. Yeah, no, I would uh, I would improve his presentation a little bit, but I think Vinci is great, and so far from what we've seen of, uh, of him on his own, he's been very impressive. So um, I'm going to stick with Hayes, but I would not be shocked, as I had mentioned, as you just said, to see Vinci win the championship. Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez are doing the first ever one-on-one match between them on this show after Cora Jade turned on Roxanne a few weeks ago. Um, this should be a good match. I'm digging Cora Jade as a heel so far more than I thought I would. I still think the abrupt nature of the turn was stupid. Um, but as a heel, I think she's done well in the role. And Roxanne Perez is a uh, very natural babyface. So I'm looking forward to the match. Cora Jade lost on Tuesday to Zoe Stark. And she lost the Battle Royal to become the number one contender to the Women's Championship a few weeks ago. So I'm going to say Cora Jade wins here to continue the feud, keep it alive, and keep Roxanne Perez in chase mode, so to speak. Oh, yeah, the heels got to win here. I mean, Jade, like you said, she lost last night. She lost the battle run. You keep heat on her. I think you have her win, win, and then 
we continue the feud. But no, I, I mean, I like Jade. I like Jade initially when she was a babyface, but then they like, kind of like cartooned her up and like she had a good look as it was. It was a babyface, and they like threw like all the colors on her and made her like Braun Breaker 2.0 as a woman. And yeah, I just didn't like that. Like you said, the nature of the turn was really dumb. They should have never won the belts, and that should have been the reason that she turned on her. But mm-hmm. regardless, she turned on her, whatever. The whole heel persona, I feel like she's a better heel than face. And I think she should win here. And like I said, cheat the win, and then you keep the program going. Yeah, makes sense to me. Mandy Rose has been rocking and rolling as the NXT Women's Champion now for, I think, 300 days, if I'm not mistaken. If not 300 days, she's quickly approaching that uh, that benchmark. She has been champion now for almost 10 months, one of the longest reigns in the history of that championship, next to Shayna and Asuka. Uh, I'm not sure if she's officially the third longest reigning champion, but she's getting pretty close. She might have to be Io Shirai's record, and she's coming close to that, I believe, if she hasn't already broken it. Uh, but she's facing Zoe Stark on Tuesday. Zoe Stark has been riding a wave of momentum since coming back to NXT a few weeks ago from injury. Um, you know, she was the last woman standing on Tuesday. Uh, you know, holding the championship high above her head. I don't think she's winning here. I don't think she should win. I still, unfortunately, feel it will be Nikita Lyons taking that championship from Mandy Rose. I do not like that idea, but I think that's where they're headed with this. But yes, I do think Mandy Rose retains here. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I mean, it wouldn't totally shock me, but booking one-on-one, I mean, Mandy would beat her. She got left lane on Tuesday night, so... We'll see. I, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I think we're both huge Cross fans and huge not fans of Nikita Lyons. I mean, <laughs> we have that in I, common. Look, yeah, yeah she, no, she's nice. She's nice. Whatever people think she's attractive, that's your your opinion. I just don't think that makes her a good wrestler. And I think that's what people are overlooking. Like, oh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like I so said, they're more focused on her looks. And like you said, if you think she's pretty, if you don't, whatever. But I just don't think that makes her a great wrestler. And I don't think that's the reason why they should push her. So, I, I, I fear that's what the direction they're going in, and we'll see how that goes. But I, I think Stark would be a better champion than her at this point. So, yeah. But I've Rose winning here and. Get ready to feed her to uh, Nikita. <laughs> Ideally, I wouldn't put the championship on either of them. I would hold off until Roxanne Perez gets another shot or whoever. Although she's already lost to Mandy twice, that's probably not happening. That's what I would do. If not, wait for another woman to arrive on the show. Who knows? But, um, yeah, the thing with Nikita, it, it, not just that. Not, not only is she not good in the ring, I don't think. Not quite yet. She had that awful spot last night. I don't know if you saw it making the rounds, but she tried to do, like, the cannonball in the corner. And she completely missed, and Kiana James sold it anyway. It was really bad. If you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll send you the link. But, you know, one botch, whatever. It's not just the fact that she's not good in the ring, because people say, oh, Cross is boring in the ring, which I don't think he's bad, but I, I, you know, I can understand the boring thing, I guess, whatever. I just don't really get the character or whatever she's going for. Just nothing about her really... Again, this is all subjective in my opinion. I just don't really find any real reason to root for her. She seems like an incredibly nice person, and she does have charisma. Like, she stands out more than a majority of the women for her charisma and presence alone. I think she can be something. I just don't think currently she is, and I don't think she's there quite yet to where they should be putting a championship on her. Just me? Maybe I feel differently in a year. Right now, I don't think she's ready, and I don't think she's ready to be holding that championship at any point in the foreseeable future. But, again, just me, and I know you agree as well. Uh, Tony D'Angelo versus Santos Escobar, the final one-on-one match between these two. This is the end of the feud. They've been feuding for a while now. Escobar has cost D'Angelo two different title shots, and it was established on Tuesday's NXT that if D'Angelo wins this match, or if Santos wins, Legato is free from the family. But if D'Angelo wins, 
then Escobar is banned from NXT without the rest of Legato. Why? I don't know. Um, I would assume, as I tweeted yesterday, as other people have assumed as well, this has got to be leading to a Santos call-up. The fact is even, again, going back to what I said earlier, the fact that this man is still in developmental, and he's not exactly a spring chicken. He's in his 30s. He's been around a long time. But the fact he's still down there after like two or three years is fucking ridiculous. I mean, this is an example of a guy that was ready on day one. But they wasted his time in NXT. He's had a good run. Don't get me wrong. But it's time. Calling him up without the rest of Legato is questionable. Electra I could do without. I mean, she's a nice addition to the act, but she's a lot like uh, Nikita. Probably even worse in the ring. I mean, she's just far from ready. But I do think Wild and, and Del Toro slash, you know, whatever his name was before, Mendoza, should be on the main roster at this point. What'd you say? I said Raul Mendoza. Yeah, Raul Mendoza. That's what his uh, previous name was. Now he's Cruz Del Toro, which is stupid. But um, they should be on the main roster. And it doesn't sound like they'd be going with him, which is weird. I'm not really sure why they would still be in NXT. Um, but anyway, I think this is a slam dunk for D'Angelo, and Escobar is going to the main roster imminently, I think. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Tony, I love, I'm a big Tony D guy. I'm, I I think everything they've done with him, I mean, I think at first, a little cheesy Italian thing, it, it took a little bit on me, but I think now he's kind of hit his strides. I feel like it's starting to kind of come off, wear, wear on me better. And like you said, I like Escobar a lot. Not sure exactly why they want to call him up with the rest of Phantasma, like out of the Phantasma. I can't even say it. it's such a weird name. But, uh, like I said, maybe they have different ideas, but I mean, him, the whole stipulation's like, I'm going to the main roster, so. <laughs> Pretty much. I like Escobar a lot. Obviously, we're big fans of him and, and Lucha, and I think he's done great in NXT. He's kind of learned everything he needs to. I think main roster's very imminent for him. I could see him, them doing like a storyline with Mysterio or something like that. I Honestly, maybe they put him with like Garza and Carrillo, I mean. They haven't really done much with them, so maybe pair them up with, with Escobar. and. That's I, the new Legato Del Fantasma. <laughs> basically, yeah, a, a better one, I guess, or something that's different. So that's what I could see them doing. But besides that, I, I think Tony D wins, and we get Escobar on the main roster, which should should have already happened. Yeah, long overdue. What do you think his ceiling is in the main roster? At this point, it's realistic <laughs> to think he could go far. Yeah, I think, I mean, they always have, like, they're always trying to push the... Latino star, and seemingly ever since since Ray Ray, they really haven't gotten one. I mean, Del Rio had his time, but nothing really since. So, I, I depending on how bad they, how far they think you, I I feel like World Championship isn't like isn't a, like I don't think that's out of the picture. I think he'll probably be more of a mid card guy. I mean, I can see him like I see a U.S. champion. I wouldn't say like I think he'll win the World Championship anytime, but I mean. With the right push and the in the right right way, I think he definitely. I, I wouldn't put it out of the picture. Ah, I think with the right presentation too, the guy's a star. He comes out looking like a star. I love the mask and with the rest of Legato, it helps. But you know, I don't know why they. Again, like I said, I'm not really sure why they he would be called up without them. But whatever. At least he's on the main roster and he has a real chance of success. That's all I can really care him, about. Can you put him with Zelina and be like the new Andrade and he can actually <laughs> English? I feel like that's a bit too on the nose. I feel like she. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, the Lotharios thing, again, is a bit too on the nose. I feel like we might get a couple complaints about that from people like, you know, just replacing two people of the Hispanic heritage, <laughs> just pointing them with two. Listen, I don't think that's a terrible idea, but at that point, you might as well just call up the other two guys, you know? 
Yeah, but like I said, I don't know. I feel like they definitely probably have more stake in Gars and Carrillo than they did the other two. I mean, Joaquin Wild's been in the business for a while. I don't know his age, but I mean, he's been he's a long up. time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in he was in TNA like ten years ago. So yeah, I bet you he's closer to forty when Carrillo or Gars and Carrillo are probably in their late twenties, early thirties. True. True. I mean, obviously, age might not be as much of a factor now with with uh, Triple H in charge. But you are correct though on that front. Honestly, at that point. And I was thinking about this as far as Andrade. If he were to ever come back and Zelina's still there, which I'm not really sure why she wouldn't. I mean, I don't think he would release her Triple H. Um, I think you could just pair those two right back up. I mean, the whole point of Zelina is that she's an amazing talker. In the ring, she's not great. But in the ring, or as a talker, she's fantastic. And, uh, I, you know, he can obviously speak for himself, so I'm not really sure that'd be necessary, you know? No, yeah, I, I just was throwing out that I get a good laugh. but <laughs> Andrade, though, could use her. Oh my god, he could use a lot of things. <laughs> Main event on the show, Braun Breaker, Jay McDonough, JD McDonough rather, for the NXT Championship. I think easy Braun Breaker win. I'm a Jordan Devlin, again, I'm in the minority here. I actually liked his work in NXT UK. I liked his work over in NXT as a Cruiserweight Champion. I think the kid's a star. Um, you know, obviously there's a big size difference here. They're focusing on Braun. I don't think McDonough should win anyway. Uh, I'm not really sure what his ceiling would be. But uh, I don't know. I like his work a lot, and I think this should be a good match. But Braun Breaker goes over in the end. Yeah, I, I, like you said, I, what's his name? JD McDonough. That's his new he was name. Yeah. Level before I was better than I was better that <laughs> way. But no, I don't. I think it's been good. I don't think he's the one to beat Breaker. I mean, Breaker wins here. I think that's a that's an easy win. But uh, a good little uh, good win on his belt. So nothing to complain with Breaker. But I think he wins here. I agree. Looking forward to the show on Tuesday. We get to Raw on Monday. We don't have to do a full-fledged review here, but some of the highlights. We mentioned earlier, Dexter Loomis returning to the show. We all thought Johnny Gargano might be back, or at least the majority of people did. He did not return. Hopefully he still does. I'm sure he will at some point. But Loomis came back from the way instead, uh, crashing the end of the show, uh, showing him in the audience. And I thought the way they shot it was perfect. They did not even acknowledge him by name. It honestly felt like if you didn't watch NXT, you probably thought that was a fan. And it's not like, oh, who's the crashing the ring? They didn't even say that. They just kind of subtly showed Styles looking over. And it, listen, they do that in real life anyway. It's not like they made the point to do a zoom in on Dexter. They did on social media after the fact and pointed them out. But during the show, if you're watching as a casual viewer, you probably had no idea what the fuck was going on. I would hope it would make you tune in the next week, though. And it certainly is for me. Uh, I assume that ties into the car crash stuff, too, that also had a lot of people talking. So want to get your thoughts on the... Uh, show-long theme of Dexter Loomis and what was going on with the car crash. Yeah, I mean, I think two and two definitely goes together. Um, but yeah, I thought what they did was good. It kept your interest throughout the whole show. You're like, what the hell is going on? Loomis, not his biggest fan. I mean, I I, 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 I'm not, I can't say I was. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole index thing was kind of dumb, if you ask me. But I mean, I think him and AJ would be pretty cool. If, I'm seeming like that's where it's going, I would assume. I mean... Happened at the end of the show with AJ. AJ's done with the Miz, seemingly. So, him and Dexter. I mean, I don't know if they were wrestling in TNA, but you could spark that up again. So, uh, no, I, th- I thought it kept your interest throughout the whole show. Like I said, if you were a casual fan, just wondering what's going on, I'm, I'm kind of mad. Raw's been better lately because I have to stay up later and <laughs> sleep. But no, I thought this was good and. I'm interested to see what they do next with uh, Loomis. Yeah, it's called the cliffhanger. They're making you tune in the next week. And uh, listen, they've closed the show strong the last two weeks and this show specifically. I thought the AJ and Miz match was random. They had a good match, but I'm thinking, okay, why is this closing the show? And they did it for that angle. So I thought that was well done. Um, The other highlight from the show, 
was the United States Championship match. Lashley, Ciampa, great match for the championship. That closing stretch really made me think Ciampa might win. He did not. Lashley's still the champion. But the Ciampa looked great in defeat. His best match since arriving on Raw, obviously. And uh, Lashley is still champion, so no complaints about this. I really, really enjoyed this match. And I thought, you know, they made this championship mean more in the last eight or nine days than at any other point since John Cena was champion in 2015. No, yeah, I completely agree. Like you said, at the ending stretch of this match, I was like, oh my God, Champ is actually going to beat Bobby Lashley. Obviously, he didn't, but uh, I thought it was good that make Champ look strong even to feed. I mean, hit the almighty with everything. So uh, I thought that was good. The presentation of the title has been better, and I can't complain. Like I said, I feel like they have booked it as like the main champion on Raw. I mean, the women's stuff's probably overstated it, but I think it's been handled better in the last two weeks than I ever did on events. Is there any opponent on the Raw roster that you think would be the right one to ultimately dethrone Bobby Lashley for that championship, or is it more of a wait-and-see approach and we'll see what happens in the next couple of months? Oh, uh, I think you have him hold the belt for the for the for the next few months. Mm-hmm. I would honestly, no one in Raw really jumps out at me right now, being like, "Yeah, that's someone to beat Lashley." I feel like one until the draft, which is usually in I think October, November, yeah. or right after the Virus Series. Like, I feel like we won't really get a lot of new stuff. Like, I feel like the champions right now will probably stay the same, just because I don't really see a lot going on, especially on Raw. Um, but no, nothing. No one really sticks out to me on Raw being like they're the one that should be Lashley. Well, someone pointed out to me on hashtag that it could be Kevin Owens, who came back on Monday's Raw, completely decimated Ezekiel. The match went all of maybe 90 seconds. He hit the uh, classic pop-up power bomb on the in-ring apron, on the ring apron, and had him, you know, uh, carted off in a, in, a, in a stretcher. So, um, a lot of people were saying on Twitter that the black and gold version of Kevin Owens is back. That's not to say we did not see this version of Kevin Owens on the main roster, because we definitely did. I mean, for all the people they fucked over creatively, Kevin Owens has been done fairly right on the main roster. You know, former Universal Champion, multi-time Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, and even this badass version of Kevin Owens. We saw when he first got called up in the feud with uh, John Cena. Granted, that was seven years ago, but, you know, he did act this way in the feud with Shane McMahon. Remember when he headbutted Vince McMahon on SmackDown and made him bleed his own blood? I mean, that was that was Kevin Owens' doing, and that was five years ago. We haven't really seen that Kevin Owens since then. Um, we did a little bit when he went back heel back in 2019 for a short while attacking the New Day, and a little bit late last year when he turned heel again on Big E. But other than that, we really haven't seen like this ver- like this aggressive of a Kevin Owens. He's mostly been comedy, which is great. Kevin Owens is money. But this Kevin Owens from NXT is when he's at his best, in my opinion. So he might be someone to keep an eye on for. But as he said on Hashtag, I feel like he might have a higher ceiling than the U.S. Championship. He could be someone that you're grooming to face the world champion when Roman Reigns eventually loses it. Yeah, I completely agree. This is, is the best iteration of Kevin Owens. Just the way he walked down to the ring, I literally looked at my daddy going, I guarantee he beats the shit out of him. And that's exactly what he did. It just was what needed to happen. Like, Owens has done good with the whole comedy stuff, but getting back to like the no-nonsense fight, like the prize fighter, Kevin Owens, like that's easily been the best in his whole career. I mean, even looks like he lost some weight a little bit. So I, maybe he's been, I know he's been gone for a little bit, but uh, I mean, this approach as a heel being like the no-nonsense, kick your ass Kevin Owens is, is what needed to happen. Like I said, definitely U.S. title could be in his near future, but the way they build him up, world champions definitely not out of the picture. Yeah, he seems like a guy that could really benefit from Triple H being back in charge. And again, he wasn't completely buried on the main roster, but it really felt like, we've said for a long time now, he wasn't 
going to get beyond a certain level with Vince's with Vince in charge. You know, he had his time as a main eventer. He was world champion for a very long time, actually like seven months. The reign was nothing special. I mean, they booked him to look like a fucking fool more often than not. Do you think with the right booking, if they continue this, I mean, it was only one week, I get it. But do you think if they continue this, he could be a world champion again in this company? Because I feel like he has it in him, and it's definitely possible. It's not at the point now where he's damaged goods like Dolph, and if you put the championship on him, it's a joke. No, definitely. I, th- I think with this approach, he definitely could be world champion again. Um, I mean, like you said, I, I feel like people might complain about his booking, but compared to most other NXT people, he looks like fucking Hulk Hogan in his booking. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely not done amazing, but he's definitely done good enough that like he's not buried or he's not like not like Dolph, like you said, like been there, done that, or kind of just like. I, I can't think of the word. Like, uh, what's the word they'd say? He's not damaged goods. There you go. Yeah. I th- he's been booked well enough that there's nothing to complain about with him. So um, I think World Championship definitely should not be out of the picture for him. I think he's been great. This new fight Owens fight. Like, like that old Kevin Owens. He said the black and gold Kevin Owens is definitely oh. what he did. And uh, I see no complaints. Like I said, U.S. title would be nice. World Champion would be even nicer. We need the Kevin Owens that arrived in NXT, beat C.J. Parker, and then came out at the end of the show and laid out Sami Zayn, minutes removed from Sami Zayn becoming NXT champion. That's what we need in the main roster. Oh, that's so good. Do you still have that KO shirt that you bought that night? Uh, or did it become I the blanket? I, I would have to check. I have a bin of all of them, so that, it, it's probably, honestly, it's probably on there somewhere. Nice, nice. That was a great shirt. The best part about, <laughs> the best part about that show was the fact that Sami Zayn won and you didn't learn your lesson as a wrestling fan by that point, and you turned off the show before Kevin Owens attacked him. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. He has to bring it up on the... I didn't see it originally, no. GSM texted me, like, holy shit. And I was like, fuck. He's like, fucking Kevin Owens beat the shit out of Sammy Zayn. I was like, what the fuck? So then I go back and watch it. I know. Did you, you learn your lesson? You, ca- you can't turn it off until the show's actually over. You can't. I, I learned that. One, after that show, I learned that. <laughs> But anyway, what my point was, was that that same night, right? You bought the shirt? Yeah, that same night, yeah. Oh, amazing. You became a Kevin Owens fan immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, he's probably been, yeah, out of the NXT system, pretty much my biggest, I've been the biggest fan of his, so. He's, um, you mentioned Rey Mysterio when we, after we met Seth and Becky at SummerSlam in Nashville, but Kevin Owens, right? Would he be one of your other favorites that you haven't met yet? Yeah, he would definitely be, him and Ray would probably be up there. Randy Orton, I definitely want to meet. Yep. Uh, those three probably stick out to me that I would definitely want to meet. Obviously, Roman and Brock are they're on like a whole different level, but yeah, I mean those three specifically. Remember when I uh, met him and he called you a bad friend for not making the trip because you were out at a Halloween party the night before? I do. <laughs> hey, it's a burial session here on the show. I was gonna say, Jesus Christ, what's next? <laughs> Closing it out here with the WWE Women's Tag Team Title Tournament, which is, I mean, since we last talked, a lot has changed already. But they're bringing back the belts, the paperweights, and listen, I'm not an over, I'm not a big fan of the belts at all. I think in theory they could work. We talked about this for a long time. We've mentioned this a lot, and even you were a big proponent of it at one point. I'm not gonna bury you for that because I do agree with you. I think at one point they were a great idea. And even when they introduced them, I'm thinking, okay, this is cool. Within a month of them putting the belts on the Iconics, I'm thinking, okay, this is stupid. And the division was dead after that. Um, Listen, with Triple H in charge, I'm not even saying they're going to be great. Because, listen, Triple H was in charge of NXT when they introduced the women's tag team titles in NXT, which was completely pointless. And I don't know if they'll how much better off they'll be with Triple H in charge, but I am willing to give it a shot. 
And I think it is showing that he is that he does care more about women's tag team wrestling than Vince did. So I'm willing to give it a shot. They kicked it off on Monday. Io Sky and Dakota Kai won a first-round match against Tamina and Dana. That was way longer than it should have been, and Tamina's terrible. Um, but at least they advanced, did Sky and Kai. They'll be facing the winners of Alexa Bliss and Asuka, who face... Uh, uh, or the winners of that match, they're facing uh, Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. On the SmackDown side, it's in a, I think it's off the top of my head, Natalia and Sonya versus Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons, and you mentioned earlier. And then on the other side of that SmackDown bracket is Shotzi and Zia Lee versus Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. A lot of makeshift teams. That's what you have to expect in a division that has no fucking teams, but at least they're trying. It's better than a four-team tournament, I'll give you that much. Um, but yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I said Kai and Sky all the way, but it sounds like you have a different idea of who you think is going to win. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good start. Like you said, definitely the match on Monday got more time than it needed. But I, I kind of applaud them just to see like, if maybe they get something good out of to me. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. I mean, I thought, I mean... Her getting on the top rope was painful to watch, but Kai and Ty, Kai and Sky won, and I think that was definitely needed. But I just feel like with them being involved with the whole Alexa Bliss, Oscar, Bianca thing, I just don't think either team of that, either of those teams are gonna win. I could just see like Alexa and Oscar beating them in like the tournament, and then them costing them like the match somewhere down the line and that's going to kind of keep the heat going i honestly think looking at the bracket i i would put the belts on Aaliyah and raquel i mean i've always been a big raquel fan i think she's a better as a baby face or better as a heel than a baby face the whole smiling i'm happy to be here it just doesn't fit her so i feel like you have her and Aaliyah win i mean i know Aaliyah; she's extremely green and not good but putting in her tag team would definitely get her more reps, and being in a tag team can also cover up your weaknesses when you're working on it. So give them the belts, give them a decent little reign, and then once they lose, Aaliyah sucks, then Raquel beats the shit out of her, and then she goes heel, and then there we go. There we get. That's what we get. So that's my pick. All right. I mean, it's not a bad idea at all. I was just thinking Kai and Sky win the whole thing. In your, in your prediction, which I think ultimately is what should happen, Raquel should absolutely go heel. Um, where do Sasha Banks and Naomi factor into that, if at all? I think they're coming back, and that's part of the reason why they're bringing the belts back is because they're on their way back, probably to confront the winners of this tournament at Clash of the Castle or somewhere around them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I guess theoretically you would have a heel champion, but I don't know. I, 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 just, I, I just feel like if they're going to come back, I just feel like they wouldn't go back. Like, that's the reason they left, so I just don't think they'd come back for those belts. Like my, I feel like there's a better chance they come back and do their own thing as a solo than going back. Like, why would they want to come back to fight for the belts that's, that no one... Like, that's the reason they left. Maybe, like... I don't know. I really don't, so... Yeah, well, that's why I think they'll go back for them, because they're important, and that's why they're going to want to fight for them. Yeah, it's possible. But then, like I said, I feel like they'd have to face heel team, and then they'd just win the belt right back. I feel like, realistically, they should have been in the tournament, but... I mean, they probably... Here's my thing with them not being in the tournament. I'm honestly fine with it, because, I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to put their names in the fucking graphic, like, oh, Sasha Banks and Naomi are here. Like, you're not going to do that, but you could have done a mystery team or something. I'm fine with that, because I feel like if they're the last people to hold those championships, I don't think they should have to earn their way to win it. 
I mean, they never really lost them. And, you know, our thoughts and the whole walkout aside from a storyline standpoint, they never actually lost it. So them coming back and getting an automatic title shot to me makes more sense than ha- having them be in the tournament when they were the champions initially. That's that's my thing. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, look, I, I just I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, I think they should be in the tournament because I feel like if they whoever wins and they're like, oh, we're going to face you now. I mean, I don't love that. And then, like I said, if it was that Clash of the Castle, then it would definitely throw out Sky and Kai and Bliss and Oscar because they're in a match already. I mean, theoretically, like, looking at it, like, booking, like, this would never happen. But, I mean, looking at the bracket, I don't know when this match is supposed to happen. But, like, Lions and Stark and Natalia and DeVille, I could see, like, leading into Heat Wave, you have Toxic Attraction just beat the living shit out of both of them. They can't wrestle in that match. And then somehow Banks and Naomi get in it, and then we kind of move away from that. I, I, I just feel like they should be in the tournament, because if not, like, theoretically, a heel team would have to win the tournament, and I don't see Sky and Kai winning, so then it would be either Zia Lee and Shotzi or Natalia and Sonya, which I like <laughs> Sonya, but I can't stand Natalia, and Zia and Shotzi just scream like they're going to lose immediately. Yeah, no, I don't know, but here's the thing. Unless dude. you had Dewdrop and Nikki Ash somehow beat Bliss and Oscar, like you said you had like Sky and Kai toss them to win, then they they kind of return the favor against Sky and Kai, and mm-hmm. then they make the final. But realistically, I think Rodriguez and Aaliyah should win. Well, here's the thing: we don't know what's going to happen, and I have enough faith in Triple H to do the right thing. Not to say he's the perfect Booker by any means, but I have a lot more faith in Triple H running things than I did with Vince. So we'll see where they go with it. And, um, you know, it's at least they're making an effort to make it matter. It may not matter in a month or two from now. we got to give it time. But, but you're least, saying Kai and Sky is your choice. Kai and Sky is my choice, correct. Okay. I, I, I think I, they're I, running the whole thing. Okay, I'm just writing that down so you can eat your <laughs> when they lose next week. Are you going to go buy a 12-pack of eggs so you can ship it to me and I can have egg in my face when they lose? Yeah, I have it written down. I make sure I don't forget it. Okay, perfect. Well, just like when I said Liv was going to lose a Money in the Bank and she won. Sounds good. Hey, it's same thing. I, I Listen, I would love... Actually, no. I, I was going to say I like when I'm wrong, so it's something I want to say. But in this case, I want to be right, and I think I will be right. So I think it's a win-win. I want them to win, and I think they will win. I don't think your idea is bad. I just I just kind of want them... I don't want them in the tournament just to lose. No, I don't want them in the tournament just to lose, but since they're already busy, I feel like you could do something else with them. I guess yeah. that's my point. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you have them... Tournament. Like, if they didn't already have a match at fucking Cash the Castle, then fine. I'm fine with them winning, but I just feel like they're already busy. Yeah, so you're saying... But the thing is, also, we don't really... Also, I will say as well, is we don't know when the payoff is. Like, Yes. We don't know, like, when the finals are. Like, we know next week on Raw, it's going to be Bliss and Oscar versus Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. Okay. So then what's the next match not going to be until the 22nd? And then the finals would be the... I feel like the finals would have to be at Clash of the Castle because if they're doing Raw and SmackDown, I, I feel yeah. like that's... And to make it more important, I feel like you'd put them on the show. Yeah, I agree. I agree Boom. Hey, there's alternatives. There's a couple different ways they can go with it. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Um, I, still want, <laughs> I still want my idea to be right. Get trying to back out of his pick. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just I I'm saying you're. I'm not saying your idea is shit. I'm just saying there are other good ideas that didn't go with. But I still think my idea is the best. So we'll see. What, what are you are you basically saying that if they don't put the belt on Kai and Sky and they give it to someone else, then that giving them the titles, giving whoever wins the tournament the titles, whether it be Raquel and Ali or whoever, 
provides another story in the women's division that is like what you, basically what you already said. I'm just reiterating what you said. Basically, we already have Io and Dakota versus Alexa Bliss and um, Asuka. They're already feuding, but you think another story can benefit from having the championships on the line? Does that make sense? Now you're confusing me. So I'm saying that by your logic, and maybe this isn't what you meant by that, but I don't. I honestly agree with this. If this is what you're saying, by putting the belts on another team, it kind of it's honestly like saying the Kai and Sky versus Alexa Bliss and Oscar feud doesn't need the tag team. T- like they're already feuding anyway, and it doesn't need the tag titles. Is that basically Correct. what you're saying? Okay. Correct. Also, I feel like if it's going to culminate in a clash of the castle, the tournament, then how, are they going to wrestle two matches? I just don't well, see that happening. We we don't know if it will or not. That's the thing. Correct, but like theoretically, looking at like the brackets and how they're having it like done, theoretically, the last like the the the, the finals and quotations would happen that ha- would happen would happen theoretically that week. Yeah, they could do double duty, I guess. But like, who did you say from Raw? Would it be Dewdrop and I guess it could be Dewdrop and Nikki Ash, right? I guess I, I guess. I mean, I'm fine with them facing Raquel and Aaliyah at the end. Like I said. And then if you have Ash and Dewdrop win, they lose the belts immediately to fucking Sasha and Iomi. I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, then immediately Raquel goes, see, what is this, Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez? The whole fucking yep. they win the Honestly, they should win the belts and then immediately <laughs> turn on them. I love when we shit on that angle, but that's basically what we're suggesting that they do with Raquel and Ali. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's ridiculous. But listen, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. It's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks coming up on Raw and on SmackDown. We will break down both. I, I say both shows. We really just talk Raw. But if anything notable happens on SmackDown again this week, and they're making me watch SmackDown now. Listen, I, I would always watch these shows like after the fact, like much later on in the day or night or whatever. Now they're making me watch it live because there's actually it's actually important. So screw them for that. But it's it's enjoyable as a fan. I know you would agree. So we'll talk about that next week. Heat Wave. We'll get to more Dynamite stuff depending on what happens uh, on Wednesday at, at uh, Quake by the Lake and next week's show as well. But uh, new episodes of the show every single Thursday, Mr. Marceau, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify Music, all that great stuff. Uh, Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. Uh, Great time as always, Mr. Marceau. Enjoy the rest of the week, brother, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, GSM. Later, man. Adios, brother.